Hello and welcome, guys. Episode 54 of the Guest Life Podcast. We're with Tanya Lacaria. This is the third time I had to get her last name right. I felt a little bit Italian, a little bit inspired today. So I was trying a couple different accents. That's the one that's going to stick. Um, we're going to talk painting, art, abstract, um, how to get a guy to not put a bike rack in his house instead of putting a painting up. Welcome. Thanks, Dan. So great to be here. Um, it's great to have you. Uh, before we get started, guys, just want to thank everybody for tuning in. Again, this podcast was originally intended for my mother. Now we have a couple more listeners and viewers. So thanks so much for tuning in. It uh, wouldn't be possible without, um, you know, incredible entrepreneurs that are giving back to this community, changing the industry and sharing their stories so that we can all be a little bit better and learn a little bit more. Again, we always want to be curious about how the journey started and where the journey's going. So thank you so much for tuning in and uh, we're going to get right into it. So thanks for coming. Now let's go for it. I think I it's important to thank you for giving people an opportunity to share their stories with anyone who might be interested. So thank you. This is fun. Yeah, my pleasure. I think, you know, when we're talking about obviously art, art is such a broad spectrum and how did you get into art? What is art? Well, what is art is maybe a really big question. I personally think that everything in life is art. Um, from a very young age, I was very interested in coloring and drawing and painting. You know, when you look back at starting school and all the creative stuff that would have been um, presented to me, I loved all of it. Uh, I got into art I guess more professionally when I decided to pursue like post-secondary schooling in art. So I have a fine arts background. I went to York University for art okay. and then uh, wasn't quite sure what to do with that degree. So I went back to school for interior design okay. and actually found that my artistic background was um, really, really successful in design school, still a creative field. So that was great. And then I started my own interior design consulting firm um, after design school and took a very long break from my fine art career until 2021, where I decided to launch myself right back into it. Amazing. So art has always been part of my background, but it's taken many different shapes and forms over the years. But I think that it's always been something that I've needed in my life. This time at this moment is just the most intense version of art. <laughs> And it's only going to get more intense. It's only going to get better. Yeah. That's right. So I think to bring it back, like one of the things I'm very curious about in art school, like say at York University, because I guess art is subjective and creative, and how do they grade you in art? Is it art history? Is it the base, the basics of art? Like what do they teach you? Is there obviously? I'm sure there's a lot of different avenues you can take. Yeah, and I, I think every program might be different. Um, art school was very, uh, I think it was formative and exciting for me, but not in the way that actually art was for me in high school. Okay. I had such a nurturing and incredible teacher in high school. Uh, shout out to Miss Savadska, who is still a big supporter of mine. And I will never forget that she created an extra art class for me in high school because I had exhausted all the art credits that were available. I ended up getting stuck in a parenting course, which if you knew me well, would know how ridiculous that is. And so I really wanted to explore more creativity. She created this course for me. I was the only one in it and I had extra credits which helped me move forward into my like you know post-secondary applications wow. and then I had this perception that art should be very 
personal and expressive because of that teacher. So when I got into the program at York, while I enjoy it and would not say anything bad about the program, it was very different because I didn't feel that the instructors appreciated the fact that it is very subjective. So while there were certain courses I took that were focusing on techniques, you know, yeah. you want to be in printmaking, there are techniques you have to learn in order to execute the project. But in terms of expression and coming up with thesis projects and expressing yourself, that isn't something that can be graded easily. Yeah. So I think the grading takes place more in terms of like how to exercise your creative mind, how to execute an idea from the point of inception to actual like finished product. I think that's what's being graded. Of course, art history, you know, there's a right answer and there's a wrong answer. So that's yeah. a little easier to grade. And with effort, I'm sure, right? Like kind of bringing in the students that are you know, trying and giving it their floor yeah. three, especially with it when you come, like, because you, you're abstract, a lot yes. of the stuff that you do currently, right? I do abstract now, but funny story, I did not start my art career in uh, art school in abstract at all. That's okay. something I fell into. And I think that for me, at this point, I'm enamored with the painting process. I love the creative experience. I have no attachment to the final outcome. And my biggest challenge as an artist when I first started was always the question, what will I paint? I started in photography, but then I really found my way in painting because I enjoy that process of moving and pushing paint across a surface. Um, I use canvas, but I've explored other surfaces as well. And I felt like I didn't really want to paint any one image you know, I wasn't drawn to flowers. I wasn't drawn to still life. I wasn't drawn to figurative work. And when I decided to pick up a bottle of Indian ink in 2021 and pour it on a piece of paper, I was trying to control the outcome. I had an idea of what this piece of art would look like. And once I started pouring, I realized I had absolutely no control. And that experience became intoxicating for me. Wow. I all of a sudden, as this like type A organized entrepreneurial business minded person became like obsessed with the idea of surrender and what it would feel like to not actually control the outcome. Yeah. And then I realized like, oh, my gosh, I think I'm really into abstract art. So I, I leaned into it full tilt. And then now I don't know how to depart from abstract work because I find it so freeing and expressive. And that's how I use art in my life is for expression. And do you think that's because you're combating the day to day of like, I don't know if, you, if, if anybody knows me, it's OCD, you know, things are in place, things are done, you know, ding, ding, ding. Um, that freedom, did that kind of allow you to kind of get that off your plate? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I do have, you know, both sides of my personality where I'm the type A, I'm very organized. I like to plan ahead. I have a lot of that energy, but my art allows me to step into the intuitive approach that I have to creativity. And that's not something I was able to explore in my life before, because as you know, when you're dealing with business or you're dealing with things that require organization, while you might still be a problem solver, which makes you creative, you're not necessarily flexing your pure creativity. And so when I'm painting and I'm doing abstract work, I'm basically following my intuition. I'm allowing the feeling in the moment, the music that might be playing, the ideas that I have to guide me. Mm -hmm. And it's actually really affected the way that I 
approach my type A business organization skills because I feel like now I have an outlet for that creative side of me. It allows me to be more focused in the structured side of my business. Amazing. Yeah. That's so like, and I think the self-awareness for that kind of journey, <laughs> I can only imagine as you're going through it that how much... Like, was there a moment in time where that was like, whoa, this is happening? Or yeah. was it kind of flowing? I think that, I think I realized at one point, um, if I could trace it back to that little experience I had when I started pouring ink and I had that first aha moment of yeah. being like, oh my gosh, there's something really empowering about surrender and not having control. But then when I take it one step further, I realized in hindsight that the only way I went from pouring ink on a tiny piece of paper to producing five foot paintings is that I gave myself permission to explore and play without the idea of judgment. And that is something that when you're a business person and maybe you're under scrutiny and you have a team to report to and there's systems you have to adhere to for the success of a business, mm -hmm. this side of my life was entirely different. This was like, just for me, I created my work for me. I still create my work for me. I don't need anybody to like it. I like when people like it, but it's not a requirement. Yeah. So it was a huge revelation for me to say like, what if, what if I just get to play and have fun and explore and let that like inner child really come out and use all the fun tools and experiment with all the weird things I have in my studio, what would come of it? And actually it's been incredibly amazing and freeing. It's led me to this point, but I had that aha moment to be like, what if I just try it? And had to take a chance. And I did. And it served me well. <laughs> so bringing it back to mm -hmm. how Tanya got started. Yeah. What was your first job? My first job. Oh, my gosh. My first job was uh, on my 16th birthday. I started at the body shop. Like, okay. Like the, the body lotion store. Yeah. Um, I started working there. I had applied before I turned 16. They hired me. It was at the Woodbine Mall in oh Vaughan. Yeah. It was like an older version of a store that they opened there. And uh, I had a lot of fun selling. I learned a lot of things about selling. And then there was a new location that had opened up in Vaughan and they brought me there. But as a kind of makeup artist. Okay. And I guess because I could paint things in art school, I could paint people's faces. I don't know what the weird overlap there was, but I learned a lot about sales. I learned a lot about retail. Yeah. I learned a lot about um, how to approach people and make a connection with a stranger. And mm -hmm. that came back years later when I, you know, started businesses in retail and in customer service and yeah. was just like, wow, my first job was actually pretty useful. It's wild, right? <laughs> It's funny how those things connect and, and being able to kind of bring that in. And it's one of the things that on the podcast, we, I haven't asked that question before. So having the ability to say like, you know, where did we start from? And I love the story about the, your teacher in high school. Yeah. I would butcher her name if I tried. Right. But um, yeah, like kind of like those impactful moments at a younger age can really shape shift, you know, you know, the way we go, whether it's sports teams or a teacher. Like we all know that high school teacher that we love. Yeah. Everybody does. Every single one. And, and we know the one that we hate. Yeah, right. And oh, what, what, true. What, what were the reasons for those, right? And it's like, well, they just didn't get me or they didn't spend the time or they didn't care or they didn't ask questions. And I think, you know, being able to kind of formulate future you mm -hmm. from, you know, this uh, 
I would say like underdeveloped or, you know, in development um, stage in your life is so interesting. Yeah. And so you got into sales. I did. You're selling soaps. You're selling lotions. Yep. You're doing great. Yep. You got random people walking in. Are they asking for sale? They're not asking for a sale. Everybody that comes in is a potential buyer, but not everybody leaves as a buyer. I think that I experienced uh, opportunities to make sales work. Um, and there was also an incentive at the body shop at the time. We weren't paid a commission, but our sales were recorded and tracked. And I'm going to say I did pretty good, not to toot my own horn, but I realized that there was a little bit of a... Uh, I guess like an, an approach I could take where if I was just being honest and open and authentic and actually wanted to hear customers' problems that they were coming into the store looking for solutions for, uh, already we were off to a great start. And that has served me well throughout a lot of my experience in business and in art and in life. Yeah. I think like relationship building is so important. And I want to go back to what you mentioned about how in high school, we all remember our favorite teacher and also maybe the teacher that challenged us the most. And I love that in hindsight, things become clearer. And when we look back at memories we have, there's always the two extremes that stand out. And that's how I love to live my life. I feel like that gray area in between is just so boring. Like, I have no time for that. Um, I, at this point, like to pursue projects in art and in business and in friendships and connections that are either like super inspiring and amazing and high adrenaline and exciting or are like really peaceful and, you know, the complete opposite. And so with a lot of my art, I actually paint about the concept of uh, paradox. Okay. The idea that like there are two opposing realities that exist at the same time always. And so I love that you brought up, you know, we remember our favorite teacher, but also our least favorite, because that is such a paradox yeah, that exists yeah. at the same time for me, often. <laughs> Inspired by Dan. Inspired by Dan. Next painting. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think for everybody listening, and especially the art community or, or aspiring artists, whether it's song, writing, craft, plumbing, it doesn't matter. What was your first sale like? How did you go from creating art for expression and all the other things that come with you know create creating something from nothing to I can make some money here yeah I started painting um well when I decided to get back into being creative uh it was something that took a bit of practice I I don't think that if you're a creative person and you decide to take a break from flexing that creative muscle getting back into it isn't easy it's mm -hmm. not like you remember how to ride a bicycle it's like going back to the gym after a really bad injury. So okay. it takes a lot of practice. And, um, you know, there's some really dark times where whatever you're producing or trying to produce, there's a disconnect between what's in your mind and what you actually output. So I started drawing and those illustrations are now things that I am able to sell that I had no expectation of selling at the time I was creating them. And I went from those illustrations into pouring ink, into creating paintings. When you say pouring ink, what does that mean? So I literally took a jar of Indian ink and I poured it on a piece of paper. Is that different from Canadian ink? Uh, yeah, so Indian ink has just like a really dark, rich um, hue and or lack of hue, like a really dark black color. Okay. It's a special kind of ink with a special kind of viscosity, and okay. it's just like a really quality ink. I had it from like high school. Oh, wow. So it was that little ink experiment that I always go back to that 
pushed me into abstract. And then I started painting in uh, my basement on canvas again. And it was something that I was started doing just for me. And there were people who had said to me, you know, like, just do this for you. You don't have to share it. Maybe sharing your art is too attention seeking. Maybe sharing your art is just, you know, you're looking for validation. Just do this for you. Do it alone. And, 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 and that was for everybody getting the subtle hint, maybe you're not seeing her eyes focus anymore. <laughs> but <laughs> um, yeah, was is that kind of, well, you can do this, but don't do too much of it. That's right. Yeah. yeah. People who say things like that uh, have the intention of keeping others small. Yep. And I, you know, was not in such a state of confidence and um, I guess belief in myself as I am right now. And mm -hmm. so I took a bit of that that advice to heart and I don't regret it, but I did for a long time keep my paintings and my process secret. And at some point I just felt like, you know what, I want to share this. I want other people to know what I'm doing. Yeah. It was a time in my life where I felt very unseen and very unheard. Yeah. And in an attempt to share a part of myself that felt so new and exciting with others, I literally posted a story on Instagram of my paintings. And one person reached out and saw this painting and shout out to Barry <laughs> and was like, I would love to buy this. And I had no concept of pricing. I never had a pricing matrix worked out yet. This was still just something that I was exploring as a passion. Yep. I always thought I would be an artist when I retire. And I learned that, you know, retirement is not guaranteed. Nothing is guaranteed. And and that one purchase that Barry made of that first painting, I mean, Barry, you got a deal. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm happy that you got a deal because I think uh, it's very important to price yourself appropriately when you first start out. You know, there's a pricing matrix for emerging versus established artists. Uh -huh. uh, I'm still in the emerging category. I will one day be established. But the idea that there would be any kind of monetary exchange was a different level of validation that I didn't even know I could get for my art. Wow. And so I started changing my approach to what I was creating. And I went through a bit of a phase where I thought like, people will like this, I'll start making this. And that didn't work for me. I actually didn't make any sales. Really? Nope. And so I learned very Were you valuable. Were as you did it? No. Were you enjoying the, the process? I mean, I was enjoying the process, but I, <laughs> I, I'd be lying if there wasn't a bit of a... There was an undertone of greed okay. to that approach. Yeah. You know, I was what trying. Can I, what can I make based on what can I produce? Exactly. What will people like is a very dangerous question to ask as an artist. I believe it's a valid question in some other industries and other fields. Yeah. But as an artist, if you are that kind of person that has this like fire in your heart that you have to share with others, you can't worry about what they want to see. You just have to worry about getting that expression out of you. And so I went through this little phase where I thought like, oh, this would be pretty and these would be nice colors and this would be nice. And sure, there were some people who thought this was pretty and nice and maybe there were a couple of sales, but I wasn't feeling fulfilled. And I got to the point where I thought, do I have to make two types of art, the kind that sell and then the kind that I need to make? And I just didn't have that kind of time. And you only have so many walls. Yeah, I only have so many walls. I didn't even have a studio at the time. I was still painting in my basement. So I decided to make a very conscious decision to create the art that I need to make. It doesn't have to be pretty. It just has to be real. And the more I started to share that process and be open and honest about how real and authentic some of these works were for me as a form of expression, 
the more connections I made with other people. Mm -hmm. And looking back at that, you know, advice that someone gave me to not share your work. And then at some point, the advice to, you know, just make it generic so that everyone can understand it like a horoscope was the advice. And I thought, oh, okay. So that again would appeal to the masses. And that just didn't feel right for me. Yeah. And so when I started making the art that I needed to make for me Mm -hmm. and then share it with others without expectation, I automatically was able to form a connection with other people. And it has been an incredible uh, exchange that this connection has resulted in sales. But, you know, as an artist, sales are a bonus. They're not necessarily the purpose and the drive behind my work. Yeah, and I feel very strongly that a lot of people would take that as, as... The confidence in the fact that you know you will sell. Right. In terms of if it is for, like, you do this full-time, correct? Yes, I do. I went full-time this year. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. And I think that's so special. And I think for, for the people listening and kind of understanding how to take these steps and take those risks, how many years have you been doing this for? Well, Obviously, you took a little bit of a break. I did, yeah. So I have that fine arts background, but I took 16 years off of art. And then I I got back into it. Uh, I registered my business, let's say, in 2021. Amazing. But art has always been a part of my life yeah. throughout the many years, especially in design as well. Um, so I registered my business in, in 2021, officially. And I think I started the illustrations and pouring ink and experimenting with abstract in 2020. And probably with every re- reason not to. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And at this point, um, I think that the biggest takeaway I have looking back at the last couple of years is that uh, I decided at some point to invest in myself, both financially, um, because, you know, I, I took some courses, I decided to invest in a space that would be more conducive to my work. I decided to, um, up the quality of the materials I was using so that I would be able to put out a better high quality product. But I also invested in myself emotionally by giving myself permission to pursue something that I was interested in. Like I gave myself permission to take a chance. Yeah. And there was no one else around to give me that permission. It was something I had to give myself and take. Yeah. When it comes to mindsets and shifts in mindsets and age and growing up and confidence you know as entrepreneurs we kind of go through this journey in this different times whether it's an aha moment or whether it's a conversation you know i I personally was very fortunate i had a push i had a a good friend channel to chris mills over in the uk um he really pushed me out of my shell to tell me that i could do it um and i think for everybody it's a little bit different in terms of what you seek like if you're seeking this opportunity and seeking how to do it, right. taking those steps. And I don't think there's a moment in time that you're supposed to be chasing in right. terms of being ready or prepared. I think you'll you'll know when you know, but it's only you'll know when you're seeking it. You have to be wanting to something more. Yeah. I think there's a lot of merit in following that intuition you have to seek something. Mm-hmm. I believe that if you have that desire and that interest for something – there's, there's a reason for that. Maybe there's part of you and yourself that knows what's coming in the future. And yep. if you could just have that confidence and say no to the fear, you yep. know, slam the door on the fear and say, what if I was going to try this? And for me, it comes down to trust. I've learned to trust myself. Yep. It's not something I was always able to do. Um, it takes practice. It certainly becomes easier the more you trust yourself and see uh, the positive rewards coming back 
to you. I guess in my case, some of the positive rewards would be, uh, of course, art sales, but also recognition, um, validation, you know, conversations and connections I've made with clients and with other artists and people who can look at my work and, and maybe even say like, oh, this isn't for me, but I see you. I understand what you're doing. Yeah. I don't need to know why, but just keep going. That is such an incredible gift to give to someone. Yeah. To say, I see you. It may not be for me, but keep going. Yeah, and I think that's really, it's a beautiful statement. And also as we go through, um, in business and in life, there's opportunities for some people to say, like, you're crazy. But you're rocking it. And I think with, when it comes to art and what you're doing, like, do you find that kind of as you create things? Because I think there's a big dynamic for somebody listening, talking about, well, I'm creating the art. I don't know if it's going to sell. I don't know if I can do this full time. But watching, you know, I had the opportunity to go through a, an art gallery there where you were, you know, showcasing your art. And, right. like, you own the room. And you had a story behind the pieces. And I remember, you know, watching you describe it to somebody. Right. And then they understood it, especially with abstract art. Right. Because understanding the meaning behind the, the process or, you know, and I go back to this um, – Ted Lasso statement from the show, um, Jason Sudeikis, and it's be curious, not judgmental. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for a lot of people in business, like asking and having that curiosity of like, what are you doing and why? Like, why are you building a business like this? You know, why at Guest are we expanding? And for you, I think, do you find you seek that from others to kind of like, where's your next steps or where your next journey is going to be going? Uh, no. Not at this point. I've I've really come to a place uh, in my life right now where I don't really care what other people think I should be doing. I've started to move forward based on what feels right for me. That doesn't mean I'm not open to um, criticism or you know feedback or also advice. Yeah. But I I have not found myself in the last little while asking someone, okay, what do I do next? That's a question I ask myself. That's something I get really quiet about and reflective on. Um, and I look at how far I've come in such a short amount of time and I have to remind myself that while I'm not where I want to be, I've still made progress. And I think that I'm, I'm at this point approaching my art career as more of a slow burn. I don't want to be a firecracker, you know? I am a firecracker, but I don't want to have this big bang and fizzle out. I'm trying to take very intentional, careful steps forward. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that means trying things and hearing no. It means I don't even want to use the word failure because I don't believe that's actually a necessary word in terms of associating the word failure with trying new things in business or in life or in passionate projects. Um, There are things I've tried that did not have the outcome I wanted, but there was a reason for that. It all feels very intentional to have led me to this point. And when it comes to my art and, you know, being in a space where I talk about my work, like the show that you attended, um, I, for a little while, struggled with the idea of as a conceptual artist and as an intuitive painter, a lot of my work is very expressive. I have a very abstract expressionist style and I have a very emotive approach. Um, actually have also recently been described as a very performative artist in the creation of my work, which I really appreciated someone seeing. Um, so 
I thought if my art is good enough, it shouldn't need a description. It shouldn't need an explanation. It should stand on its own. So there was a while where I tried to just use social media to experiment on sharing my work without any of the story behind it. And something was missing. You know, I, I, I of course didn't have as many sales, but outside of the attachment to sales, it just didn't feel as meaningful to me. And so I've decided that my mission in life uh, is to make art, but my purpose is to connect with other people. So, I love that. Yeah, thank you. So when I'm able to share my story about what I was thinking in this painting, how I decided to visually translate feelings and emotions that are not tangible things, yep. right? They're not symbols you can attach, but I've created imagery that makes sense to me. I've developed a language in my work that I can communicate to other people. This is a feeling of pain. This is a feeling of joy. Here's how I communicate juxtaposition. Here's I, how I want to communicate certain emotions based on color, shape, and composition. Um, when people are drawn to a piece that I've created, they already have an interest. And when I tell them what it means to me, and they're able to connect to that painting on like a human level. Yeah. Because we all know these feelings. You know, we're all very unique and individual, Dan, but we all have <laughs> the same feelings and emotions. That's a powerful moment. Yeah. So I've realized that actually sharing my work and being open about what it means to me in the moment of creating it um, has been more successful and given me more opportunity to make connections with other people. I love that. Thanks. And so at what point do you do you create and then write? Do you write and create at the same time? Is it a flow? I get this question a lot. Um, so thank you for answering that or for asking me that. Uh, I think that it depends. Sometimes I have what I can like only... Like you're in a mood and you're just hucking paint up the yeah, canvas. Yeah, I can only describe it as like I have an emotion. <laughs> that I need to express. And it's a lingering emotion that I explore while I'm uh, on my daily hikes. I do a lot of hiking. I do a lot of meditation and reflection. And when I get an opportunity to explore what these feelings and emotions mean, sometimes I will attach a meaning or a title to a collection I want to build. And sometimes I'll just start building these paintings and see what comes of it. And there's always an underlying connecting string that I can pull from. So while I might identify the title or the concept behind a collection because it keeps me focused in my work and how I create, um, I may not write the description until after. Okay. Because sometimes I'm creating something and then the entire painting will take a turn. And there's an idea that I didn't even realize was happening until I can look back on it and ask myself that question, oh my God, what was I thinking here? What did this mean? Why was this day different? So it depends. And I think the beauty of being an artist and giving myself permission to be creative is that I don't need rules anymore. There's no structured approach. That was leading into my next question. <laughs> that I, think, <clears throat> I think a lot of people have in, in terms of, um, how do I phrase this? I think I would, I, I'm going to relate to it first. There's a connection in business that happens for a lot of entrepreneurs that feels when you come out of a place where it's like time for time for reward. So, you know, I worked nine to five. This is what I get paid. This is what I do. And then all of a sudden you have this freedom where it's like, whoa, but you're the entrepreneur. And it's like, well, no one's going to work harder than me. So I'm going to now work seven to six. 
It's like, whoa, mm-hmm. whoa, like you're starting to work for yourself. Yeah, but I love what I do and this is why I do it. And then it's, I think the concept around how do you do it? So for instance, you know, a lot of people are like, well, Dan, you know, you, I used to be first one in, last one out. It's what I did all the time. But I also was last one out and then went to an event. Right. Last one out and then went and made a connection on the weekend. Last one out then took a client for dinner or a potential client for dinner. And people are like, yeah, you're going out and drinking and you're, you, you know, you're, you're schmoozing clients. It's not work. Of course it's work. It's how we get business. Right. When it comes to being an artist, mm-hmm. how do you find that flow state? Do you, I, I kind of know your answer. Already. <laughs> <laughs> do whatever okay. you feel like. But is there, is there a certain type of, obviously now that you're, you know, employed for self well, and you've got you to know, support yourself. There's a, is there a product number that you have to do based on kind of your spread of, uh, sorry, I forget the word that you used, your calculation on how much the art's worth? Oh, right. So the pricing matrix. Yeah, pricing matrix. Yeah. So I, I actually don't just do whatever I want. Uh, the artist part of me does whatever I want when I'm in the studio. Okay. But I have to, at this point, being full-time artist and using art um, to make a living, I have to really balance and check myself. When I'm in the studio, it is my like safe place to explore, to experiment, to be fun, to be creative. What's that look like? That looks like... Phone away, music on. Oh my gosh. change from symphony to orchestra to Shania. (laughs) Well, I don't know about Shania, but the phone... The phone is never away because I document a lot of my experience. So I'm usually recording the painting process. um, And I I have music going always because I'm building collections usually based on music and playlists. Top two songs. For what? How do I answer that? I don't know. For top, top two, two. two. Top. Be creative. No, I can't. I can't. I, I'm, I'm so wildly on the spot right now. Um, what, I, jo- what, what are your genres of choice? So they depend on the collection. So okay. right now I am working on a collection, uh, actually two pieces, two collections in tandem. There's the collection I'm launching next week, which is called Pieces of the Whole, okay. where I've taken large paintings and cropped them down into smaller paintings that um, it's an exercise for me going back to that like performative element of being an artist. Uh, I'm actually using the physical cropping of paintings to talk about what it's like as a woman to have my story and my narrative often being censored by other people okay, or based on how we as women can censor ourselves based on the audience. So I'm working on that collection and that is a very uh, different kind of playlist than the one that I'm also working on called She's a Sweet Peach. (laughs) which I won't say too much about, but it is going to be a much bigger collection than I've ever mounted before. There's 3D works involved. uh, There's some video work involved. And, you know, I'm talking about um, gender-based issues. I'm dealing with women's issues. Uh, I'm identifying a lot of concerns I have in how women are oppressed in terms of their narrative and their voices and the way we choose how we want to listen to women's stories and how we want to retell the stories of women. Um, so my playlist can range from anything from like, you know, pop punk. Okay. Um, and also this, this collection is rooted in imagery of peaches. So I've got a lot of songs about peaches. You got everything from the presidents of the United States of America or whatever that band is called. I'm terrible band names, <laughs> millions of peaches to, you know, some like um, pretty intense 
rock feminist angry music to okay. some really old fashioned love ballads in jazz. I love it. I'm all over the place. It depends on the mood. And so while that's the part of me that is not structured and is allowed to play, the other part that is structured is the person who has to drive the business forward. The person that has to put together the marketing emails, the person that has to set up meetings to attend uh, commissions for you know, clients that meet with me and I make them a one of a kind special work of art. I'm the one that has to drive that business forward. So I can't always just do whatever I want mm. because otherwise we'd just be in the studio all day having a great time. And that is a big part of what I do, but it's not the only part of what I do. Well, and I think it was, I was watching a story of yours the other day and <clears throat> I thought it was so, I just thought it was so great that you were able to share that, but just talking about the, business side of you know what it takes to be in your spot and i think you were like you were like i booked two hours and it's been five and yeah. i've got to shut this thing down now and it's just the the concept around you know doing what has to get done when it needs to get done yeah and also being flexible as an entrepreneur i think is is a super valuable skill mm-hmm. um being able to say I'm going to allot this amount of time to this project. And if you reach the end of that time and the project is not where you want it to be, you have to be ready to abandon ship, you know, move on because there are so many things that require your time and attention. And as a recovering perfectionist, (laughs) I say this quite confidently. I've never heard that statement. Yeah. So if, uh, if there's something that, you know, you're obsessing over and, and it's just taking all your time, take a step back, move away from it. Focus on something else. And time management is such an important skill when you're in business for yourself. Mm. But I think time management doesn't necessarily mean blocking your schedule full from 8 to 10 p.m., which is what I have done in the past, in order to just get as much done as possible. Time management when you're an entrepreneur also means making time to rest, doing things that um, give your brain a break so that it is more productive later. I thought that, you know, my daily hikes, I hike for two hours a day and I used to feel guilty about it, thinking this is the most unproductive time that I'm spending, but I need to go on this walk. And then I realized that, yeah, I have my headphones in, I'm listening to music, I'm moving my body, I'm going through the trails, I feel very comfortable there, but I'm thinking and I'm putting together new ideas and that's actually the most productive time. It just doesn't physically look like the most productive time. So using, using time management in order to better understand yourself and what you need as, as in my case, an artist, but as anybody's case, as a business person, as a professional, and as a human, <laughs> you know, I think, Which I think, we forget sometimes. yeah, being a, an entrepreneur, it's so easy to disregard our humanity and say that life is about pushing, 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 working harder, doing more, gaining, but it's also about enjoying life. You know, there's a lot of people who start businesses and I have fallen into this trap myself and you work yourself into a job. Mm-hmm. There's no fun in that. I love to create opportunities for myself that allow me to make connections with other people and move forward in my life in a way that brings me like joy and excitement. And if I seek that kind of adventure and it turns out favorable, that's great. But I, I can't bring myself to subscribe to the idea that, like, if you want to do really great, you have to work harder. I don't agree. 
I think I've tried that. I've worked really, really hard. I've played by all the rules. And in some cases, I still got burned. So at this point, why not do the things you need to do? Be responsible. You know, don't be a loser. Be responsible. Take responsibility for yourself and your life and your your happiness. Uh, But also give yourself a hall pass to have a little fun along the way. It's amazing how taking a break and having fun actually makes your professional life so much more abundant. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it kind of rolls into our our final question here, but if you had to give yourself a piece of advice, your younger self a piece of advice, what, what would that be? And at what age would you be seeking it? Well, this is a very complicated question. (laughs) <laughs> says the artist. For the artist. <laughs> right? Because I I think there's a lot of advice I could give myself that would be centered in uh, don't, you know, don't try so hard. You don't have to be the best. You know, the recovering perfectionist in me wants to say, it's okay. Nothing is this serious. You didn't have to be the best, try the hardest, uh, you know, stay up the latest. You don't have to have all the A pluses all the time. Just take it easy. That's the advice. Have a little more fun that I would have given myself. But at the same time, I have absolutely no regrets as to where I am now and who I've become. And I don't think there's a way I could be here without all of those experiences. So if I could do it all over again, I might change a few things, but not because I regret it, just because maybe I've learned a bit. Does that make sense? It's perfect. Can I say both? Can it's, I can it's I perfect. Can I jump on the paradox of saying I would do things differently, but also I would keep things exactly the same at the exact same moment? Yeah, I I find a lot of the answers come around that concept. Mm-hmm. Um, and to jump in here, I, I found it really interesting from learning about mentorship and being identifying who you're getting the advice from and why. So if you're getting it from your future self, remember to reflect on who your past self was. Right. And I love so that. the concept is, is really like, you know, I say, I get a lot of advice when I was younger in business. Um, I say younger in business because business comes at different ages, but the, what I used to get was there was a 45 year old or 55 year old guy. Oh, take it easy. It'll come. Right. Okay. Are you where I would like to be? If getting, if taking it easy and you didn't take it easy is what you're giving the advice from, are you just forgetting where it was? Right. It's like when finances aren't a problem anymore. Oh, don't worry. The money will come. Well, listen, I got to pay my groceries and I can't get rent done. So I get that you're in a financial spot now that you're not, you're not worried about, oh, it's okay, it'll come. And that's actually a really good point. I think when you're at the stage where things are comfortable and you're out of that like heavy, pushing, exhausting period, yeah. it's easy to look back and say like, oh yeah, it all worked out. I should have <laughs> done it easier. Should have chilled out more. You are so right. And I appreciate that. I'm certainly not where I want to be. Um, and I think that I... I look to my future self and imagine the message coming to me being, you know what? It is all going to work out. It may not work out the way you expect it to, but it will still work out. And to give my younger self advice that would be in line with, you know, don't try so hard, don't push. I think I still have that 
personality um, where I'm highly ambitious and I am very driven uh, for better or for worse. And I think that I, I did push really hard on certain things and maybe they weren't the most important things. Mm-hmm. I would push harder on some other things. I think maintaining structure and um, discipline. Discipline is huge yeah. if you're in business for yourself because there's no one coming to make sure you've checked all the boxes, right? You're the only one that keeps yourself uh, on task. What a gift. What a gift, right? Um, so being disciplined is really important. And I think I know my future self would say to me, yes, the discipline is going to pay off. Keep going. Yeah. And this is a message I accidentally send out all the time through my social media. Um, You know, on my Instagram specifically, I'm very open about sharing a lot about my creative process. Uh, I share a lot of techniques that I use in my artwork. I don't believe in gatekeeping. I think that there's space for everybody. So Mm. if you ever follow along, you'll realize that I'm being very open in my painting overalls and I'm dancing and I'm silly and I'm just having fun and I let people see that side of me. Um, But the side that I don't always get to show because I'm not actually recording it is that I am very disciplined. I do make sure I take care of my mind, my heart and my body. I make sure that I give myself the opportunity to pursue experiences that feel in alignment with the kind of work I want to do. But the only way those opportunities come to me is if I take chances by going to the event where I don't know anyone, traveling by myself to an art fair. You know, I've taken five solo trips around the world to art fairs to network and meet new people. And I may not understand how all of that has benefited me yet, but I know that it's coming. Of course. Goes back to that trust. I love it. Trusting yourself, right? I love it. I love it. Thanks, Well, Dan. guys, um, if you're not inspired yet, <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with you. Um, guys, uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Tanya, that's just an amazing, uh, it, you know, it's, it's really cool to get into the mind of a creative. I think it's a lot, um, it's, it's definitely on, outside of my box um, to be able to kind of, I, I find with expressive, creative it's good because you get some pushback, you get some new ideas, you get that sense of, wow, maybe I'm not, I, you know, I'm, a lot of the times I try to go in as straight a line as possible. Right. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs do that as well. It's like, how can I get to the end point faster, more effective? You know, we're trying to smell the roses and enjoy the process. And I think a lot of people talk about enjoying the process mm-hmm. as they're like, it's almost like a break. Right. Right. Like, okay, I'll put the brakes on. Like, enjoy this. Enjoy this. Yeah. But really, it's it get to getting to bigger, faster, stronger. And well, I love, you know, being able to kind of see the journey of, you know, these creative opportunities and these creative minds. Well, thanks, Dan. Appreciate you giving me uh, the opportunity to talk about my work and my creative process and the paradox that exists in like (laughs) staying focused on the end of the line and that straight shot, but also taking a few detours along the way and seeing what comes. A couple pit stops. That's right. So, guys, if you haven't been to one of our art shows, uh, you've got to go. I went. I've got some a beautiful piece that still needs to go up. I'm debating whether it's the bike or the piece, but we, we'll find a spot for it. Put the art um, on the wall, not the bicycle. <laughs> Just saying. Um, all uh, all the social media, our, our, our man in the background, Ty, who's working hard every single episode to make sure that this podcast is produced and projected in the best way possible. Um, big shout out to Ty. He's been, he's been over and above lately. And always, um, all 
Tanya's social media will be out there. She's got an amazing page, amazing website. Um, get on her mailing list. It is fire. And uh, <laughs> thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah.